Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half-truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Steroids Podcast. I've released a couple of live podcasts on YouTube recently, so normally YouTube is not the main way that I distribute the podcast. Most people that listen to the podcast listen to it on um, steroidspodcast.com, www.steroidspodcast.com, or they listen to it on Spotify, or they listen to it on Apple Podcasts app. A minority of people listen to it on YouTube, but the way, you know, it was kind of fun to do a couple of like live podcasts, which were on YouTube with people live coming up with questions. So I'm going to upload those to the podcasting apps um, in the next, you know, they're, they're coming. Okay. So, so be, be ready for that. You know, they're, they're not going to only be on YouTube. They're going to be coming to the regular podcasting platforms that, you know, most of the listeners are listening on as well. So wanted to tell you guys that. Um, wanted to start out this podcast by uh, saying a few things. Um, you know, the podcast definitely is not for the purpose of glorifying, you know, performance-enhancing drug or steroid use. Um, you know, actually, it, it's it's quite the opposite. It's it's just trying to tell you the the real information about what's happening, what does what, um, what's going on with your body when you're, you know, taking steroids. And so part of that definitely is talking about, you know, the, the unfortunate or the bad things that happen, you know, from using steroids. So, you know, a lot of people online are going to be trying to get you to think, you know, you can take steroids and be healthy. You can take steroids and be healthier than people that don't take steroids Maybe you can take SARMs or whatever other snake oil supplement they have. And, you know, you're going to be better off than people that aren't taking that. The, the answer, the answer is, is, is get the hell out of here. That, that is so just the opposite of reality. You know, we're going to talk about, you know, on this, on the podcast, we talk about, you know, what are the real effects of taking steroids? What are the real effects of taking certain dosages? We're also going to talk about, you know, what are the real effects of how these are damaging your body and how they're, they're, you know, not just like this thing that you can do and have no consequences from. So while the main side effects that people are talking about or, you know, are usually thinking about is like, what are the immediate side effects that are going to affect me, you know, right now? Like, give me gyno. 
and make me not look right or you know make my dick stop working and make it so that uh you know they're all ego based stuff because you know it's bodybuilding steroids in general i mean it's definitely a way of feeding your ego you know but um the thing is is that um these things can be taken away from you in 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 a snap of your fingers um you know your if your health um is compromised um in any kind of serious way um all of the things that um you you know your ego is going to come crashing down you you know it's it's not a, it's not a good idea to have to have a huge ego anyways i mean everybody likes a humble uh bodybuilder who's not a bully who's who's not a aggressive you know who controls what he's doing um so 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 that but you know health consequences are very real from from steroids okay so to think that you can just overdrive your body because that's what you're doing you're overdriving your body when you take steroids and to think that you can just do that to an extreme level like blasting steroids for years on end and not have down the road serious health consequences is completely detached from reality okay you know and that goes you know very much more so for people that are not taking mitigating health measures you know say you've never looked at your blood work before um you don't want to look at your blood work because you've already decided that you're going to do what you're going to do and nothing's going to stop you um you know you have high blood pressure you know the high blood pressure is is almost universal among steroid users there are some people who who don't have high blood pressure from using steroids so but they're a minority and um so just to say one thing okay is that when you are developing conditions that are going to lead to a heart attack or a stroke um having high blood pressure long term over time is a principal condition that is going to cause that through hardening of your arteries um depositing plaque in your arteries and veins um calcifying parts of your heart etc um left ventricular hypertrophy uh, making it so that the tissue of the heart is too thick in certain areas so that the electrical signal is not able to you know the electrical signal that controls and pumps the heart is not able to get through fully um you know when I, when i talk about high dosage high high dosage i am telling you what is necessary to be a bodybuilder um and and to be looking like the people that you know look like definitely bodybuilders but i'm not saying that that comes without serious consequences um and and you you should take uh mitigation me measures as much as you can so stuff like blood pressure um cholesterol to some degree um other 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 blood work markers kidney function is huge Another thing that, you know, having high blood pressure does, and that's, you know, because what is the main thing that happens a lot of times with, with bodybuilders is they have uh, cardiovascular problems that eventually end up killing them, um, you know, at an early age, something like, you know, dying around between 50 to, to 60 or something like that, you know, before they should have cardiovascular problems. So we want to avoid that. 
high blood pressure obviously is going to be one. Um, but high blood pressure also affects the kidneys. So your kidneys filter your blood and there's tiny tubules and, and those are the filters, you know, inside the kidneys. So when you have high blood pressure, the pressure inside your kidneys is too high and it makes those tiny tubules explode. So then you lose the ability to filter your blood and your kidney function keeps on going down and down and down over time until at the end, you know, you have no more kidney function. You have to go do dialysis a few times a week. Not fun. So on a blood test, um, there are markers of kidney stress like creatinine, for example, but there's also a marker for kidney function and you can see exactly how well your kidneys are able to filter your blood. That's called the EGFR score on the blood test. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it, this this stuff is is really is is really important. You know, you you have stuff also on your blood tests like your ALT, AST, liver enzymes. You don't want those to be elevated all the time. You, you know, obviously they are elevated at some points, and and they can come back down depending on what you're using, depending if you're working out, uh, you know, et cetera. Anytime that you're putting waste products, you know, you making waste products in your body or toxins, the liver has to filter those out. Um, there are things, so you want to be able to know your measures, your, your, your levels. This is why it's important to look at your blood work. You want to know what's happening so that you can take mitigation measures in order to make it so that you're not, um, you know, really hurting yourself long-term. Another one is, you know, having super high hematocrit levels all the time, um, which is going to have your blood extra thick, which you know, hematocrit measures the amount of red blood cells in, in your blood. So if you have too many red blood cells in a given amount of liquid, well, there's more stuff in the same amount of liquid. So the, the liquid is now thicker. Um, and and uh, with, if, if you've got uh, thicker blood, um, what what's going to push that blood around your body, your heart? What's going to um, happen pushing thicker blood around the body? Well, the heart has to work harder. And then it's like, oh, well, you're already this big person who is bigger than they were supposed to be. Your body is bigger than that heart was, you know, uh, created in order to uh, pump blood around. And then on top of that, the stuff that is being pumped is extra thick because of what you're doing, making it work even harder. So you've got to know what's going on so you can take these mitigation measures, even if it's just that you don't care about anything and the only thing you care about is bodybuilding and death, if you want to be doing bodybuilding for as long as possible, you've got to be taking these mitigation measures. Um, you, you know, the, the consequences are going to hit you sooner rather than later, you know. Um, most people have health scares within five to ten years of starting. Usually the first two to three years of steroid use, it's pretty smooth sailing for most people. But once people get into the five to ten year range, you start, you know, you, you're, you're starting to talk to people who are, you know, much more experienced. And these very experienced people, they've all got stories about uh, health scares that they've had. So, um, yeah, I wanted I wanted to mention some of those things, some of those things to you guys, uh, just just so just so you know, um, just so you know about some of that stuff. And, uh, the other thing is that it's among guys who are experienced, um, it's very well known that a lot of bodybuilders, most people using steroids 
are doing so using them similar to recreational drugs with no regard for their health whatsoever and not getting blood work. But this is the thing is you're on these things like basically 24 seven, man, 365. It's not even like a weekend thing for you, man. You have got to know what is going on inside of you. And I know however many times I say that it's not going to make a difference. It kind of just makes you kind of uh, listen to me saying something and think like, I wish he would stop saying that. Because <laughs> it causes you anxiety, you know, to think about these things. Um, but I'm saying this for your benefit. And I've been where you are now. I've been where you are. And I've made that mistake. And now I don't want you to make that mistake. If, if you see, I'm coming to you from a, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to you from a position of goodwill. I want I want what's best for you. <laughs> just like your grandma, just like your your mom and dad, just like your wife or your children or your girlfriend. Everybody wants what's best for you, man. So, you know, treat your body with respect, man. Um do you you know, stop putting this off. Stop saying I'll do it 3 months from now. Go do it right now. Go get your blood work done while you're on cycle. Know what is happening with your body, okay? Just go do it now. If you want to do it again when you're done with your cycle, do it again when you're done with your cycle. But if you're on the fence about this and you've been kind of hearing some of these podcasts and stuff and you've not been doing it, go do it, man. Do not put it off another day. PrivateMDLabs.com is a website. I have no affiliation with them. It has no benefit to me whether or not you use them, but you can go use their website in order to get blood work done. They will send you there. They have they contract with labs all over um, the world. And um, when you go to their website, you can buy blood work and they will tell you a lab near you to go to to go and give a blood sample at. And then that lab will then send the results back to them and they will send the results to you over an email. And then you will never have to see a doctor and a doctor will not know what your blood work results are. Um, so for you guys that where, where you're thinking like, I won't see a doctor or I won't um, talk to a doctor about my steroid use or whatever, or I don't want a doctor to know about my steroid use. This is a way that you can do it privately, you know, so uh, I just now gave you a method that I don't benefit from at all um, for, for you to overcome that hill that was blocking you from getting this done. Okay, so it's privatemdlabs.com. You can go take care of your, your blood work. <laughs> all right, let's get on to a question. Uh, Sam asks, how do you keep libido strong and dick working? Um, able to get hard um, constantly, meaning on and off, blast and cruise, etc. Well, the, the most important thing for that is that you first have the proper bioidentical hormones in your body. So testosterone, which is interacts with the 5-alpha reductase enzyme and is transformed into dihydrotestosterone, which is the hormone that is responsible for all of the masculinizing effects in your body. It's testosterone is not what sent you through puberty. Uh, dihydrotestosterone and metabolite of testosterone is what sent you through puberty. It's what gives you your sex drive. It's what makes your, your, your dick work, etc. Okay. So 
that's one reason why you know using using tes- testosterone works good for libido is because it becomes dihydrotestosterone DHT in the body. So you got to have DHT in order to have um, you know a- optimal androgen in your body for functioning for libido. Okay, the the next thing that has to happen is your your estrogen has to be in the normal range. Okay, so there's a spectrum of the normal range. And different people feel good on different parts of that spectrum. Some people feel good um, on the lower end of the um, spectrum of estrogen levels. Other people feel good in the middle. Other people feel in the high. The main thing is that you've got to keep it within what would be the same amount of estrogen as you'd have if you were natural, okay? This stuff about, you know, you've got it. oh, if you've got more testosterone, then you've got to have more estrogen to have the right ratio, Man, people come up with shit on the internet, dude. It's crazy. I got to like keep on refuting this stuff. It, it's just absolutely nuts. You know, do not believe these things that you read on the internet. It's like TV programming people, the internet programming people. Like whatever you see on a screen just programs you. Um, please uh, do not uh, believe what you read on the internet about all this crazy stuff that these bodybuilders have come up with, and now they're telling you about how to take care of things. <laughs> um, you got to keep it somewhere within the normal range, all right? So here's an, that's another reason why. If you've got if you've got libido problems, and and you're wondering, you know, you know what's going on, um, you you got to know what you know what your estrogen is. So I have protocols and methods to help you, you know, without a blood test to know, you know what what is uh you know what is the correct estrogen you know like anecdotal signals that your body will be giving you you know to tell you that you're in or not in the correct estrogen range and the easiest way to do that you know is the most simple one is is, is your nipples so if your nipples are burning and itching um you know um your estrogen is high and you need to take aromatase inhibitor that day and if they're not, then you don't need to take it that way that day. Another one would be, you know, prostate swelling. This is another big, big one is, you know, if you're needing to urinate frequently and not a lot is coming out or uh, it's it's hard, it's a weak stream or it's, it's hard to start urinating or uh, various things, you know, the, the urination is not the way it should be. It, it's likely that you have high estrogen. Um, so, you know, take the aromatase inhibitor that day. If you don't notice that side effect, then don't take it. There are other anecdotal signals too. That's what I mean. I've got protocols to help you be able to know those things. Um, so the estrogen has got to be fine. And then the other thing is that you can't have any kind of like high prolactin. Okay. So if, if your prolactin is, is elevated for any reason, you know, and, and these rules, they all go for on and off cycle it's going to completely inhibit your your libido so your brain is not going to work in that method you know for libido that's not going to be happening um that you know and as far as that goes you know after that there it comes to troubleshooting you know so you're talking about things like um you know using hcg um and uh you know resetting your natural system etc doing things like that, you know, we're, we're talking about pretty, pretty complicated troubleshooting, uh, protocols here. Um, if you are, if you're, if you're still having problems, you know, when you've got your basic hormones set, but you know, 
it really isn't that uncommon, especially for guys who have been, you know, on gear for years and years and years. It's uh, common to need uh, an HCG reset from time to time. You know, people talk about dehydroepiandrosterone, DHEA, you know, supplementing with that, um, you know, for improved mood and stuff like that, because that's, you know, one of the pro-hormones, um, you know, that you don't get anymore. That's not being manufactured anymore when you start taking testosterone. You know, instead, you're just getting this really powerful end product hormone. You're not getting these um, precursor hormones that some people are more sensitive to these precursor hormones than others. Um and so this is what we're talking about with like um, complex troubleshooting. So my advice pretty much is, is that um, if, you know, you should take care of the basics as far as, as far as um, like your hormones are going and make sure that the levels are good, like the testosterone, estrogen, the prolactin. Um, if you need, uh, if, if that's still not good, you know, taking HCG, um, in order to give yourself a, a hormonal reset and get some of those um, precursor hormones back in your system, seeing whether or not you're sensitive to those. Um, and if that's still not working, you know, you're going to need very um, in-depth troubleshooting where, you know, you're, you're probably going to need someone who is more experienced to help you because it's, it's not going to be a clear path. It's going to be troubleshooting things and seeing, you know, what, ruling things out, trying to see what we can get to work, you know, it's going to be a complicated process, but I am very confident that, you know, you can be helped and, and, you know, you can, you, you know, with the right guidance, you can be brought back to normal within a month. All right. The next question is from, uh, she Vam who asks, can you talk about fertility and coming off after three years of blasting and cruising, didn't use HCG at all? You're going to be pretty shut down. Um, so the HCG might take quite a bit longer to work. Guys that have not, um, guys that have not, who have been shut down for a long time, or you've used steroids for a long time, or you've used steroids without HCG for a long time, your balls are going to progressively shrink. Um, you know, when you first start testosterone, you know, they might be 70, 80% normal size. If you take Trenbolone, they might be 40 to 50% normal size. If you've been on for years, um, it does, and you haven't been using HCG, you know, um, your balls are definitely going to be less than 70 to 80% normal size, whether or not you're using Trenbolone or not. Um, you, you know, there is progressive, um, like, shutdown that happens you know guys who have only been on roids for and they've not used stuff like trenbolone or other 19 nors you know their lh luteinizing hormone follicle stimulating hormone may be still pumping out a little bit of something something on their blood tests um but guys who have used trenbolone any 19 nors or guys who have been um you know on for years at a time you know, their LH, their FSH is going to be basically zero. And what that means is that their pituitary gland is pumping out nothing um, to communicate with their balls. So their balls are just hanging there dormant uh, for long periods of time. And you get, you know, major atrophy when, when, that, when that is the case. So, um, and they may not respond to HCG as quickly as someone, you know, who is, has not 
been shut down for quite as long like that. Whereas, uh, you know, a guy who's done a couple cycles, you know, they'll probably be able to take HCG and by maybe the third HCG shot, they'll be back up to like their balls will definitely be hanging. Their scrotum skin will go back to being like very thin and, and like almost see through um, and, um, you know, producing, uh, you know, full size testicles again. Um, somebody who's been blasting and cruising for years may do that for a month until there is the same response. So definitely there's progressive shutdown uh, the longer that you use, you know, just some anecdotal stories that I've heard from guys who have been on, you know, guys I've talked to who have been on steroids for 30 years or so, you know, they'll tell me um, I haven't seen my, my balls in a decade. And, and they'll tell me, you know, I've got an empty sack. So their balls have actually atrophied so much from being on for so long and being and using stuff for so long that they're they no longer have testicles in their ball sack. You know, they are have uh, they're inside their body now at this point. So they have an empty sack. Um, not fun, not fun. OK, so. Using uh, a little bit of HCG is something that a lot of TRT clinics do. So, you know, you'll take, you'll go to a TRT clinic and get prescribed, you know, something in the range of like 250 milligrams of testosterone a week. And, um, you, you know, they'll perhaps put you on HCG uh, 500 IUs or 250 IUs two or three times a week to go along with that, which uh, keeps up, you know, a good, a good chunk, you know, maybe 75%, 80% of your testicular function and prevents that, you know, major atrophy from ever happening. So, you know, that's one option use HCG use, um, you know, with your cycles, because HCG, it doesn't matter whether you're on cycle or not, it still works. Because um, it skips all that stuff with your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland that Nolvidex, Clomid, etc, have to go through. And HCG just communicates directly with your balls. So that, that signal that your pituitary gland would normally be producing called LH, luteinizing hormone, um, HCG is an analog of that. The, the testicles recognize HCG as luteinizing hormone. And so you're actually injecting the direct signal that your pituitary gland would normally be using to communicate with the testicles. Um, if you're, you know, you're, you're, Shivam asked um, to talk about, you know, fertility. Um, you know, he's coming off after three years of blasting and cruising. So really, the, the it, HCG and Clomid um, is what works very, very well. Um, also, HMG um, works very well as well. Um, you know, with Clomid, doses like 50 milligrams a day, 100 milligrams per day. Um, you know, Clomid is very uncomfortable to take. It's not fun at all. Um, it has estrogenic effects in the brain that, uh, make you very moody. Um, not, does not feel good. Your, your mental state is going to be not happy while you're using, uh, Clomid, but it's a very f effective fertility agent. So using things, uh, like Clomid, uh, HCG, that would be the standard first, first line of use and um you know to be more aggressive would be using clomid hcg hmg um usually works usually works um have worked with a bunch of guys who you know have been on steroids long term um and who have 
you know, had trouble getting their their wife pregnant. And but after we talked, you know, things things were good and it worked out for them real quick. You know, sometimes sometimes really, really fast. So, you know, I think um, Shivam, you're going to be OK. I think you're going to be OK, but you may have to be pretty aggressive. Um, I don't think you will need to be that way. I'm, I'm just putting that out there that. You know, the dosages for HCG is going to be the most important one, okay? And, and, and HCG going, you know, when you're talking about fertility, um, you know, it's really going to benefit you to not be on steroids anymore, okay? Because uh, while HCG does work while you're on steroids, it works a lot better if you're not on steroids. So you're going to be looking at dosages more like 500 IUs every other day or 500 IUs every day. The frequency matters more than the total dosage per week with HCG. The frequency is majorly more important than how many IUs are you taking per week, okay? So uh, that, that, that's what I, you know, if, if you're really serious about, um, you know, getting someone pregnant, uh, you should go off of steroids totally. Um, if, if that's an impossibility for you, uh, right now in your life, um, you should go down to TRT and I mean, true TRT. So 250 milligrams, not more. Okay. Um, and, and using Clomid and, and HCG. Okay. As, as the first, first line of defense. And if that's not working, add in human menopausal gonadotropin HMG, which isn't follicle stimulating hormone FSH analog. Um, it's, it's mostly, you know, follicle stimulating hormone that's for women's ovaries and, and periods and everything, you know, why it exists, but it, it does work for men's fertility to some degree as well. Um, but it's, it's not as powerful as HCG. So human chorionic gonadotropin, which is the analog for LH luteinizing hormone, which is the one that is more important for, uh, fertility in men. All right, let's get on to the next question. XX asks, my question for the podcast, your personal experience with peptides and which peptides are best for injury recovery? Okay, the best peptide for injury recovery is human growth hormone, okay? So another name for human growth hormone is somatropin, okay? Sometimes it's called somatotropin too, okay? But somatropin would be, you know, a lot of people will see somatropin on a box, a growth hormone, because people are so confused about, you know, what is pharmaceutical grade and what's not. So pharmaceutical grade means medicine that a doctor in a hospital would give you, okay? It's stuff that, this goes for steroids, and this also goes for, you know, peptides like growth hormone, etc. When we talk about pharmaceutical grade, we're not talking about, like, does it say pharma on the label or do they have a code or a sticker that you can validate on a website? People think that people think that that means pharma grade. Um, so that, that does not mean pharma grade. Um, many UGLs do that. Uh, so what means pharma grade is if a doctor tried to access medication to give you, this would be in the arsenal of what would come from legit government inspected pharmaceutical companies okay and and this medication that you could receive in a hospital you're you're just using it for performance enhancing reasons okay but uh, it you know it's the same quality or the same brands that doctors 
in a hospital would be giving you. That's what pharmaceutical grade means. Um, so to clear up confusion on, you know, what is pharmaceutical grade? What is not anything that is not that is not pharmaceutical grade. It's underground lab. Um, so all these brands, you know, that say, you know, blah, 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 pharma, you know, whatever word pharma, that doesn't mean it's pharmaceutical grade. That's marketing. They're putting that on their labels for marketing because they want you to like, think like, Oh, pharma, you know, like the, it's, it's the same as saying labs. It's just, you know, saying blah, 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 labs, you know, you know whatever name labs, whatever name pharma, it's, it's all the same thing. It's interchangeable. It's all marketing. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean pharmaceutical grade at all. Um, uh, yeah. So, you know, my, my experience with, with, you know, these other kind of peptides like uh, growth hormone releasing peptides, for example, not good, not good. A, a lot of side effects and uh, very slim to no results. Um, MK677 is probably the best growth hormone releasing peptide, but it's dog shit. <laughs> okay, this stuff sucks, man. It gives you no gains. It makes you so hungry and it covers your entire body in water. Like it's just, it's so like when, when you hear some of these like scammers on, on YouTube or whatever saying like, oh yeah, I stopped using injectable growth hormone because this stuff doubles my growth hormone on a blood test. While it may double your growth hormone on a blood test, something like MK677, that does not mean that it's giving you the gains of injectable growth hormone, okay? So we can just say right now, uh, you know, there these people that, you know, are claiming that that uh, they're, they're lying to you, okay, for one thing. And then, you know, the people who are, are having the best results in bodybuilding and stuff too, they're not using that stuff, okay? They're using injectable growth hormone. Um, like, like cutting corners, a, a lot of you guys want to be like looking like professionals or looking like people who um, are doing things very professionally or, or, you know, making like a big income or something like that with their, with their PED use, their steroid use. So I can tell you guys right now that those people are not using underground stuff, like especially when it comes to like growth hormone and everything like that, you know, they are not using that. So if you want to be like them, you need to use what they use. I've said this before for like musicians in here, like if you want to sound like a certain band or a certain guitar player, you need to know what equipment he uses. What guitar does he use? What kind of pickups is he using? What amplifier does he use? Okay, and you need that, you know, in order to sound like him. You can't just um, say like, oh, well, I'm going to get the Kmart version and I'm just going to reinvent the wheel and, 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 and sound like him. Like, good luck, bro. Good luck. It's not going to work. So when you when you're when you're trying to cut corners by doing things like saving money, you know, doing things like saying like I won't take pharmaceutical growth hormone because it's too expensive, so I'll take generic growth hormone. That's not going to get you where you want to go. If you want to look like the pros, you have to do things the way that the pros do it. Um this is such a hard rule. Um that you, you know, um and and what you said about like um uh, 
what peptides are best for injury recovery, growth hormone. Okay. When, when people, when pro athletes are making these miraculous recoveries from injuries where the, the doctor, uh, you know, has no idea, you know, he made the doctor go from an atheist to believing in God because, uh, the athlete, uh, recovered from his surgery in in such a time you you know they come up with these just absurd stories okay they weren't using experimental peptides like you know these like bpc tb uh cjc you know whatever these things are you know that's not what they were using they were using the stuff that works and we know it works not experimental peptides okay they were using pharmaceutical grade human growth hormone and me i've used pharmaceutical grade growth hormone to recover from surgeries and it works okay it works it's crazy it's just like they said you know you think growth hormone might work good for bodybuilding okay well wait till you use it for like recovering from like serious injuries okay it's on another world at that okay It, it works okay for bodybuilding growth hormone but it works serious for doing things like recovering from, you know, broken bones, surgeries, etc. like that, okay? Yeah, that's really what growth hormone is for because growth hormone even works for those things without taking steroids, whereas for performance enhancement, growth hormone does not work, um, you know, for uh, building muscle um, without without um, using steroids concurrently at the same time. And there, you know, you're going to hear some claims that are to the opposite of that, but this has been very, very well researched, guys. Um, because, for example, you know, in very high dosages too. For example, serostim is a growth hormone product that um, comes. Um, it's for it's made specially for AIDS patients. Okay, uh, serostim is only prescribed for AIDS patients, and it comes. The box is a, a seven vial box, and each box each vial is eighteen IU's of growth hormone, and they're supposed to use the eighteen IU vial once per day. Um, you know, you know, every day they're supposed to take that. Okay, so very high um, growth hormone dosages have been used, um, you know, as standalone therapy, and um, documented. You know, what are the results? You know, what are the results on the on the fat mass? What are the results on the muscle mass? And um, you know, if you don't, you can look at these studies yourself. So, so if, if you're confused about that, if you've heard anecdotal evidence, if you've heard certain things or whatever, um, you should go look at those studies so that you can know for yourself what these high dosages of pharmaceutical grade growth hormone, um, do for people when they're not used, uh, with anabolic simultaneously. And the answer is that they don't actually build muscle. They do, um, cause intramuscular water storage, um, and fuel storage while you're using it. Um, but when it's, it's gone, that also is gone, you know, when you remove the growth hormone. So it didn't actually build muscle that stayed there, um, with them. The one thing that, you know, growth hormone definitely seriously increases nitrogen retention though. Okay. So as far as preventing muscle loss, absolutely using growth hormone without steroids absolutely does prevent muscle loss. So a person that went off of steroids could um, use growth hormone in order to prevent, um, you know, muscle breakdown during that time. Um, so that, yeah, let's get on to the next question. Hans asks, hey, Dan, love the show. 
Quick question. I've been blasting and cruising testosterone and anthate for several months now. Blast 1 cc, 300 milligrams a week. Cruise half cc, 150 milligrams a week. I don't stack it with anything because I'm just going for optimal health. Uh, just to feel good in general. I've been on a cruise dose for two months now, and two weeks ago I had an anxiety attack. I can't seem to get out of my own funk. My question is, can test E actually exacerbate anxiety? Could my test estrogen be too low or imbalanced? How do I remedy this? Well, you know, you said that you've been on, um, uh, you've been blasting and cruising test E for several months. You were on the lower dose, you know, 150 milligrams per week. Um, and you had been on that for a long time before um, you experienced your, you know, your anxiety attack. Um, so I, I don't think it's related. You know, that, that's my first thought here is that it's not related. Also, 150 milligrams per week is going to have you very close, if not identical, to what somebody who's not using steroids is having as far as like the amount of testosterone in your bloodstream. So it really does not point in that direction because of multiple factors in the message that you wrote that the testosterone was the cause. Um, but yeah, steroids, steroids can definitely cause anxiety. Um, you, you know, I, 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 but we're kind of talking about higher dosages or different types of steroids um, because they, they increase resting adrenaline for one thing. So resting adrenaline definitely increases like resting anxiety when you feel adrenaline. It's the same thing as when you drink coffee. I mean, you get adrenaline and, and you feel kind of anxious. Um, you know, coffee drinking can definitely make a person feel kind of anxious. It can also be calming. You know, I, I got to say all these things. You know, I, I can't I can't just say because uh, you've got all these these Internet warriors out here who, who will come at come, come at me <laughs> if I, you know, so I always got to present both sides of the argument and, or, or whatever. Um yeah, because, yeah, I definitely know, you know, I've drank a, a nice cup of coffee and become a little bit more relaxed before. But you know what I mean. If you overdose on coffee or or whatever, you have a strong cup of coffee or just you've drank one in the past, it can give it can contribute to anxiety. OK, and, and that's because it's increasing your adrenaline levels and, and steroids can do the same thing. I mean, uh, most people that have taken heavy cycles can definitely tell you that they've experienced um, increased adrenaline, increased anxiety um, because of those of, of those heavy cycles. You know, what I really think it, it, it was is, yeah, this, this is a very stressful time for, for all, all humans um, on earth right now. Um, so <laughs> um, that's what I, I, I think probably is the main contributor is, is uh, you know, you hear about some stories in the news about people freaking out having mental breakdowns, doing crazy things. You know, it's become something that's become more and more as time has gone on, as, you know, major changes to, like, human life and the way the world works is is happening, uh, stuff like that. You know, that causes freakouts. It causes stuff like anxiety attacks. So if, if I had to say, you, you know, and especially if people have a, a feeling of like a never ending, you know, or worry of never ending some kind of doom feelings and stuff like that can can definitely contribute to freakouts. I, I, I would think that it was more something like that or some other kind of uh, personal thing. Uh, the main reason for that being that 
you had already been on the 150 milligrams for, for two months. You had been on higher dosages in the past, not had anxiety attacks. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's my thoughts on it. But, you know, people that, you know, what, what steroid causes the most anxiety attacks in people? What one creates the most uh, adrenaline in people yeah, causes weird freak out behavior that can happen, you know, road rage, um, people, you know, doing stuff that is, you know, like propaganda basically for steroids, which one fits propaganda. You, you already know what I'm going to say. You've got it in your head already. Trenbolone, um, all of the uh, side effects of, of steroids that are like used as propaganda, um, or, or, or that, you know, you see it as, as like, these are the bad side effects of steroids. Uh, you know, you'll see things like personality changes or whatever, you know, and, and saying this is what could happen to you if you take steroids. You know, Trenbolone actually fits that really, really well. Um, you know, and, and guys who aren't experienced on Trenbolone, you know, this is their first cycle or their second cycle on Trenbolone, et cetera. They're going to be not really aware of those yet. They're, they're going to be so enthralled and so happy with the, the benefits, uh, bodybuilding benefits of Trenbolone that they really won't be able to even um, process, comprehend, or realize the other secondary side effects that are happening. They're just oblivious to it. Um, but, uh, you know, people that have been on Trenbolone for, uh, or, or, you know, experienced Trenbolone cycles for, for years, um, guys who are getting a little bit older, uh, they realize it more. And, and that's another thing is that guys who are under 25 years old have way more mental side effects from steroids than guys who are more older than 25 years old. Okay. And the guys who are under 25 years old, they recognize it less than guys who are over 25 years old. So just another thing too here is, is when you turn about 25, if you're younger than that right now, and you older guys already know this, when you turn about 25, uh, the way that you think like changes drastically and, and you, it, you, you, um, it's, you, you feel like, for the rest of your life, after you've turned 25 as a man, you, you feel like, man, I was so stupid and my brain just like could not work before I was 25. I was so oblivious to so many things. Uh, some kind of um, switch or something happens. I, you know, I, I can't, don't quote me on this, but there's, there's some research about uh, the male brain not fully developing until on average the age 25. So, um, it, it definitely is, is a real thing. You know, you add steroids to a young man's brain, uh, especially Trenbolone, and he just thinks, this is me. And, and he's totally oblivious to the fact that, no, man, that is not you. That, that is the drugs you're taking. Uh, yeah. All right. Next question. Um, Alan asks, hey, Dan, been following you for a long time always keeping it real. I started cruising on 250 test around four weeks ago after being natural with low test levels for my age, 24 years old with 600 nanograms per deciliter natural test levels. I wouldn't call that low, man. I, I, I would, I would call that normal. I, I definitely would not call that low. Um, they were around 900 when you were 2021. 20, okay. Well then for you, yeah, that's, that's, it's low for you. Uh, because you lost 30% of your testosterone, it looks like, in three years. So I, I agree. For you, that's low. Um, 
you said you started cruising four weeks ago. Okay. On 250 test. Um, you've not gotten blood work yet, but will soon. Okay. I always had a high sex drive, even with my subpar test levels. Now I'm so horny, it's ruining my productivity and it's just too much even for me to handle. I'm afraid it will get even worse when I up the test dose. What is the best solution for a more reasonable sex drive? Yeah, it's, it's true. Uh, it, it, you know, it it's going to, if you're having those effects now when, you know, it's going to up it. For some guys, you know, 250 milligrams of test is going to be like their optimal sex drive. Um, you, you know, contrary to popular belief, you know, all going up in testosterone doesn't always equal, you know, a uh, higher sex drive. It can, it can actually kind of go down a little bit. Um, depending, it, it's a person to person thing, but other guys, it, it can just keep on going up. Um, so it's one of those things where you have to experiment individually. It's absolutely person to person. It's not a blanket statement possible. No blanket statement possible there. Um, so what you can do to like mitigate your, your sex drive a little bit is, is to, you know, take a little bit of DECA, um, to take a little bit of DECA, um, that it, when, if you just get a little bit of prolactin going on and, and I'm talking very low dosage, um, but if you just get a little bit, um, you should, it should like dampen your, your sex drive a little bit. So um, for you, you know, you're on like 250 milligrams of test per week, you know, somebody in your situation might be thinking about adding like 50 milligrams of DECA per week, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, that, that should, um, uh, like put a tamp tamper on your, uh, on your sex drive a little bit, um, without, without make doing anything extreme. Um, you know, you said you always had a high sex drive, et cetera. Um, you know, if you start taking steroids, you've always had a high sex drive and you started taking steroids and it's getting higher now. Yeah. I mean, there, I can't tell you to, to do things, you know, if I said, you know, uh, run, run this hormone, like if you ran trend and you know, it would probably go up. Um, it would probably go, especially it would definitely go up if you ran trend and cabergolian at the same time. Um, but if you ran, um, another thing that would make it go up was if you did anything that made your SHBG go down. Um, so taking any kind of like DHT hormone, if you took like any kind of Winstrol, any kind of um, Dianabol, Proviron, uh, Terinabol, um, you, you would notice uh, because that would free up a lot more DHT uh, when your sex hormone binding globulin, SHBG, went down from taking those which would really skyrocket your sex drive. So you want to stay away from that. But it's, it's kind of hard, hard to say, you know, because most of these things are going to increase your sex drive, you know, you know, most steroids. So, um, you, you know, there, there are a couple steroids, though, you know, that can have negative effects on that. And so, so one would be DECA. And uh, so I, I, th I think that your best bet is to experiment with very low uh, dosages of DECA um, while refraining from cabergolian usage. Okay. Robert asks, Hey man, been listening to your podcast for a few weeks and I love it. Even my girlfriend started listening to it despite her being against me wanting to take steroids. Hey, that's cool though. Like, cause now she's like learning about it. So she's, since she's against it, that's cool that she's like learning about it so she can feel more like she knows what's going on rather than it's just some big mystery. Um, 
me personally with the girls I date, they always ask me if I take something and I always say, yeah, I take testosterone. Um, so I take like extra male hormones is what I tell them. And, and, you know, they'll be like, is it an injection? Uh, yes. I, <laughs> so I don't think it, I, I just don't, I don't think it's, I don't think hiding stuff from people. You, I mean, you guys know I'm an honest, open person. I just, I just don't think uh, hiding stuff from people is good. So that's why I tell them. It looks like, you know, you, Robert, you're the same way. Okay, so he says, uh, I'm 25 years old, natural, been working out for nine years, about 225 pounds, just under 20% body fat, have good genetics for bodybuilding, but have been at a plateau for a long time. My bench is 315 for a couple reps, squat is 500 pounds, one rep max, but I want to gain more size while hopefully getting stronger. What would you recommend my first cycle consist of? So you're really strong for a natural. Um, you know, on the internet, you might think that, uh, you know, 315 pounds for a couple reps on bench press is like, you know, not so impressive. But, you know, when you go to commercial gyms, it's like, uh, most of the time, no one is using three plates on the bench press. You know, you might get a couple guys a day who come in using 300 pounds on the bench press. So if you're natural and you're one of those guys using three plates per side on the bench press, you're, you're damn strong. Okay. So he's, you know, and he also has a 500 pound squat. This guy is serious about weightlifting and he's, he's taken it as far as he really can naturally. If he wants to continue you know, he's going to need to use hormones if he wants to continue um, going more. Uh, he asks, um, you know, what 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 should his first cycle consist of? As a guy with no health issues, he says, if this could be on the podcast, might help out a lot of newbies who are sick like me, who are sick of natural bodybuilding. Um, okay, yeah, so... Um, you know, you know, I, I do think it's it's good to start out with with testosterone, you know, so like testosterone, uh, 200 milligrams up to 600 milligrams per week, um, depending on like what you want to do. OK, um, you, you do if, if you want. It, yeah, it depends on what you want to do, but I wouldn't do that solo. OK, so I, I would add in an oral steroid with that or I would add in like a second injectable. So, you know, the second injectable, the, if you're going to use like, this is what I'd do. I'd either do two injectables, so testosterone plus an injectable anabolic or testosterone and an oral, okay? That's, that's what I would do for my first cycle. And um, if I was in, you know, that, this person's situation and, um, you, you know, if it was the, the uh, injectable ver way that I chose, it would be testosterone plus either equipoise or primobolin. And the reason for that is because Equipoise and Primobolin are both very user-friendly, easy to use, and don't require like secondary side medications to be added along on side of, on, on, alongside them in order to use them without having like in-your-face side effects, okay? Like some of the other um, injectables do. They're mild, they're well-tolerated, they're easy to use. You know, uh, guys... Uh, you know, I've, I've have experience with guys who are like young guys too, who have had horrible side effects on like every steroid, like every combination of steroids. And, and, uh, because just because they're young and like super reactive to them, um, in, in ways like, you know, really horrible acne, uh, really horrible mood swings, stuff like that. Um, and, and what works for them a lot of times is actually just something like 
you know, 400 milligrams of testosterone, 400 milligrams of equipoise or, or 500 milligrams of each, you know, something like that. Um, and, and, you know, they're the only other medication that they need to take with that in order to, you know, control side effects is an antiestrogen. So that's very user friendly and, you know, not requiring a lot of troubleshooting, which obviously you don't want when you're on your first cycle, you want it to be very smooth sailing. You don't want to have to be encountering issues, feeling like you're in uh, some kind of situation, troubleshooting about something that you're brand new to and, and don't know what to do, you know, making a bunch of guesses. That's not fun because on your first cycle, for one thing, you know, you sneeze at the wrong time and you're like, oh, was that the steroids? Am I going to drop dead tomorrow? <laughs> you know, you think everything is the steroids. I remember that. I was there. I was there. I, I absolutely remember, you know, specific days of, of my first cycle, of my first steroid use. I, I have very crystal clear memory of them. So I can really relate to you guys, um, you know, that have that are, have been that are there now because uh, because I was there too at one point um yeah so so the the same with the primobolin it like you know if you use like 500 t testosterone 400 primobolin the reason why I I say you know on a first cycle you know I if it was me I wouldn't just use testosterone I mean I did use testosterone only on my first cycle for the first month and then you know I got bigger I got uh, more bloated you know I didn't have like the right shape you know I, I got bigger and stronger and more bloated and people were kind of thinking like he's like more fat too you know and that's kind of how I looked um and and that's kind of how that goes you know using testosterone only as your first cycle you know you don't have a bunch of steroid muscle built up yet to show through that bloat and and so you kind of just look like kind of just bigger and puffier and fatter and you don't get any of that like steroid muscle shape because in order for testosterone to work as a hormone that's giving you like, um, you know, unnatural shape, you have to be using like far uh, unnatural dosages. So we're talking a thousand milligrams plus per week in order to get that effect. Um, otherwise, you're not getting, you know, like the, the look of being on gear from it. Um, but unnatural hormones do give the look of being on gear, um, you know, and, and they also give like very pronounced fast strength gains. So these are kind of things that, um, guys who are, who are new, uh, to roids, they're really looking for, you know, they've been natural, they're sick of it. And, and, you know, they're, they're sick of having worked so hard for so long for so little results. And so to have something happen, like, um, to, to have your bench press go up uh, 10 pounds for the same amount of reps uh, four or five weeks in a row is, is like very desirable for them and very like vindicating or makes them feel like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, relief or something like that. So a lot of guys are looking for that because they're so desperate for gains from being natural, but trying to be a bodybuilder you know, being, having bad information given to them and, and, you know, wondering, you know, so much frustration from wondering why things aren't happening the way that they want them to. So that's why I recommend, well, I don't recommend. Okay. But why, if I was in your shoes, why I would, uh, use, you know, one testosterone. And then in addition to that, I would use a secondary non-natural 
non-bioidentical um, anabolic alongside that. So injectables, equipoise, primobolin, like I said, if it was an oral, I would either use uh, Winstrol or Anadrol. If I was looking to like get a, a six pack as soon as possible, then it would be the Winstrol. Uh, but at the same time, the, the, well, the Winstrol is going to make your muscles look sharper. It's going to make them look a little bit bigger. It's going to make you stronger and gaining strength, you know, in stuff like your bench press without, you know, changing your diet or your training. All of a sudden, your bench press is just going to start going up. Um, it's going to take some water out of your skin. Um, and and what, when I said the bigger effects, it's not like you're going to be a lot bigger, okay? But just a little bit. But the muscles are going to be like sharper, more defined. You're going to look more sharp, Um you're, you're going to be stronger. Um, you're going to be processing carbohydrates better, able to get more full, really extreme freaky pumps in the gym where you're going to look a lot different, you know, one hour into a workout than you did when you walked into the gym. Your body's going to look significantly different. So th those are like very desirable things for a lot of naturals uh, who are looking to get on gear. Um, and then the other one, the other oral that I would use for guys who are like looking more for like maximum strength gains, um, uh, yeah, I keep on saying the wrong word, not that I would recommend, but what I, what I would do if I was in your shoes, <laughs> if I was you, um, um, is, is Anadrol and Anadrol is the other one, which, which, uh, brings a lot of water into the body, but barely any water into the skin. It, it puts it all into the muscle and, and also a huge amount of carbohydrate fuel storage comes into the body too. So you're talking you know, within a week of starting it looking like you gained at least five pounds of solid muscle, you know, while, while it, it wasn't actually that way, the appearance is that and, um, uh, strength going way up, um, feeling extremely aggressive in the gym. Um, you know, you, you know, guys who are like wanting to like be big and, and, you know, they're taking steroids primarily for the reason of wanting to like get big and strong and, and, uh, you know, dominating or something like that, um, as quickly as possible, you know, Anadrol. Um, and then with both of those Winstrol and Anadrol, again, they don't have any like kind of female hormone conversion or anything like that. So you're not having to take, um, other medications, doing a bunch of troubleshooting with them alongside of it. You just kind of take it. You have your anti-estrogen for taking care of the testosterone estrogen, and that's pretty much it. Smooth sailing other than that. All right, next question uh, from Nelson. Hey, Dan, had a question for you. Hoping you can answer it. You ever heard of a coach putting their guy on 400 milligrams of Mastron for a bulking cycle? A few other compounds, but I don't get it as I thought. It was just a hardener. Uh, 500 test, 600 Primo, 350 Equipoise, 40 T-Ball, 400 Mastron. He wants to switch me from what I'm currently running. 1,000 tests, 600 NPP, 100 Anadrol. Pre yeah, okay. Appreciate your input. Figure the cycle I was on was more of a bull because I'm wanting to put on 30 pounds of tissue over the next few years. Um, yeah, well, you know, it, he's got how many different compounds has he got going on? Uh, your coach has Test, Primo, Equipoise, T-Ball, Masteron. So that's five different compounds, and you're currently on three different compounds, Test, NPP, Anadrol. So there is something to be said for, like, being on lots of different types of steroids. So um, being on – if if milligrams are the same, uh, like total, the person who is on more different types of steroids, uh, generally, not always, but generally will have an advantage 
than the person who was on less types because each type has its own different um, metabolic pathways and anabolic pathways that it affects, um, gene expression that it affects. Uh, so you're getting like different effects out of each steroid um, that, that are like having system-wide effects um, rather than just if you have a lower amount of steroids, you can push the dosage up, you know, higher dosage of each one, but it's just strengthening the effect on the pathways that those specific steroids affect. So I, I, I think, you know, he, he's, he's putting in Masteron, but you, you know, you know, you said your test, your coach put you on 600 uh, Primable and you're on 600 NPP. I mean, those are pretty interchangeable in an in anabolic firepower. Primable is a very powerful muscle builder. Um, it's not like a Anadrol or Trenbolone, you know, something like that, where it's like overnight you blow up on it, but it is a very powerful, like steady muscle builder and it helps with strength too. Um, uh, it's very effective, it, uh, very underrated for building muscle. It's not something like Masteron that doesn't build muscle. Um, you, you know, I really don't think that Masteron part that he had in there is necessary, but uh, he may just be wanting to use that in there to, to try and lower your sex hormone binding globulin as much as possible. But you've already got T-ball and Primabolin in there. So anyways, I, you know, I, it, it's hard for me to say, um, you know, you know, which, which one is better. I, I mean, they're, they're pretty equal cycles, both of them. I think it's more of a, a thing of like, that's his style. And, and he, you know, if he's your coach, he wants you to be doing his style of cycle. Um, that's what he recommends people. And it's not like a bad style. Uh, it's just different from what you're currently doing. Um, so, uh, I mean, it's, it's up to you, man. Um, you could experiment with it, see whether or not you like it or just keep on doing what you're doing, you know? Uh, but, but yeah, both are going to work good. And, you know, I really don't think the master on in that cycle is, you, you know, if you, if you, like you said, like it, is that contributing to your goal of putting on 30 pounds of tissue over the next few years? Um, where if you changed out that 400 Mastron for 400 milligrams more testosterone, I, I mean, absolutely that Mastron is not, um, having a positive effect in your goal compared to 400 milligrams of testosterone. If you could just swap that out, that would be more appropriate, you know, for more testosterone, that would be, you know, more direct path towards what you say your, your goal is. Um, so that, that, that's what I have to say about that. Uh, junk removal asks, Hey man, uh, had a question. Do you think staying on do you think staying on steroids long-term for the rest of your life is a sustainable lifestyle or eventually it's just going to ruin your health and kill you much sooner? Bingo. I, I don't think that you can um, blast steroids uh, for your whole life and just be healthy. I mean, I mean, that is a complete and total pipe dream. Um, yeah, <laughs> you can't just take stuff. That is overdriving your body. And, and, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of the podcast and, and think that that you are not going to have consequences for that. Um, you, you know, you you can't just do things that have um, uh, effects on your body that are, you know, not, you, you know, it, it, if you if you eat too much junk food every day, is that going to make you die sooner? Yeah. 
if you are uh, a heavier body weight than you were supposed to be, um, you know, when you were born for your optimal body weight, is that going to make you die sooner? Yeah. You know, if you're taking a bunch of, if you're taking recreational drugs on a regular basis, is that going to make you die sooner? Yes. If you're taking steroids and, you know, overdriving your body, making your liver work hard, making your kidneys work hard, have high blood pressure, um, you know, all this stuff, and you're maintaining that for, for years on end, you know, is that going to ruin your health and kill you much sooner? Absolutely. Um, you, you know, you, and that's why we, at the beginning of the podcast, we were talking about monitoring what's going on and everything, because um, it, it is such a pipe dream to just think that you can you can do this stuff and have no consequences for it. That is so out of touch with reality. But I, I can understand why people b- believe that because I, I mean a lot of people are trying to tell you that on the internet, and that's what a lot of pe- these you know these like kind of like lower dosage guys on the internet are trying to tell you you know that that this is what they do, and if you do like them, you know you can you can do that and and you can be fine and have no consequences. That's not true. For one for one thing, they're not using what they're telling you that they're using. They're using something else and telling you that they're using that, but they're not. They're using something else. And then they're telling you what they think would be like, you know, like more safe or more acceptable or what could maybe, you know, prevent them from having any kind of like blowback on themselves. Okay. But even that is not true. Anytime that you're overdriving your body and you're doing that for extended periods of time and you're doing it in a way that is like not just a little bit of overdrive, but significant overdrive. Okay. I mean, you're, 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 you're stressing your body, you know, if you're staying on something, uh, um, you know, much more mild, you know, something like maybe 400 milligrams of testosterone per week and all your blood markers are like always good. They're always right in the range of somebody who's not taking steroids. Um, you know, then you're talking about, you're looking at something that is much, much more sustainable, um, and, and, you know, we'll have much less long-term consequences, but is that what creates a, a bodybuilder? You know, what you're looking at, you know, what you're looking at, it looks pretty freaky, you know, it looks like a pretty scientific. So, <laughs> uh, or not natural. I mean, you go look around uh, natural people, go look at, go look at pictures of people's bodies before steroids were invented and, you know, uh, then go look at them afterwards and, uh, you know, you see some pretty, you know, scientific looking things. So, uh, absolutely. You cannot just expect to do that, uh, long term and have no consequences. Bodybuilding is a young man's sport. Um, you see a lot of these guys who, I, I mean, the, the results of this are right in your face. You know, you have these guys who are, uh, professional bodybuilders, forties, fifties, early sixties dying, you know, on a regular basis. So, um, uh, you know, uh, be very realistic and um, don't try to run from, you know, what you're doing. Try to really understand it um, and get some health checks. You know, it, it, it would be good, you know, body, you, you need to know what's going on. That, that, that's all I'm going to say about it. I, I'm done talking about that. Uh, Bradley asks, how long can you run 50 milligrams per day Winstrol and what is the difference between injectable Winstrol and oral? Also, dosages on injectable Winstrol. I'm thinking 500 milligrams per week, test C, and adding Winstrol. What do you think about that cycle? I think it's a good cycle. So, um, it depends. You know, you say, how long can you run 50 milligrams Winstrol per day? It depends. It depends on how you're responding to it. It depends on 
what your toxicity is when you're running it, you know, how toxic you're getting and how far you're willing to go with that. Um, you, you know, cause one of the things with bodybuilding, you know, uh, like professional body for building, for example, you're looking at prize bulls. You're looking at mega pumpkins at the, at the fair, you know, who can grow the biggest pumpkin, who pumped it with the most fertilizer, you know, who has the prize biggest bull, you know, who put the most tremble and other steroids into it. You know, that's what you're looking at, you, you know, with, with, you know, professional bodybuilding. Um, so, you know, when, when you're looking at professional bodybuilding, you're, you're seeing what is the extent that people are willing to go to? What is the maximum extent of the stress that people are willing to put their bodies through? Um, so that, that's, you know, when you say, how long can you run 50 milligrams per day of Winstrol? Um, that's a very subjective question. Uh, that's a very subjective question that, uh, each individual person answers. But, you know, as far as like, when would a person start feeling like crap? Usually that happens somewhere between six to 12 weeks of use on 50 milligrams. Uh, some, some people can use it longer without feeling like crap though. Um, the, you know, yes, what is the difference between injectable Winstrol and oral Winstrol? So it's the same molecule. It's the same chemical. Um, and both chemicals are processed by the liver too. So it, it, you know, it's when you take injectable Winstrol, it's not like, oh, that's a different, uh, uh, chemical or a different, uh, molecule than the oral Winstrol was. It's the same chemical. It's the same molecule. Uh, what you're doing is you're just, uh, instead of having it be processed by the liver when you put it through your stomach, um, which is called first pass metabolism, you, you skip that and you put it directly into your body and then it's um, processed by your liver um, when it goes in your bloodstream uh, through the liver again, which is referred to as second pass metabolism. So um, that is uh, theorized to take away some of the toxicity, but you know, don't count on that taking away a bunch of the toxicity or something like that. You, you know, it, is it a little bit less toxic to take injectable Winstrol? Mm, yeah, probably. But the probability of infection on, uh, in, injectable Winstrol is much, you know, you're, you're also now adding that. And a lot of times injectable Winstrol is water-based and, uh, bacteria grows way easier in water than it does in oil. So, uh, and then another thing is that whether the injectable Winstrol is um, suspended in oil or water, um, injectable Winstrol causes major pain and inflammation. So it's really not a fun experience. For me, I just take the tablets. You know, I've definitely in, uh, injected quite a bit of Winstrol, but man, that, that stuff is a pain. It's a pain in the ass, like very much literally. Um, a lot of pain, a lot of inflammation, like like, geez, like, can you even walk a lot of times? Um, so for, for <laughs> I don't use that stuff anymore. I don't use that, the injectable Winstrol anymore. That stuff is just way too much, way, uh, way too much. Um, all right. Last question of the day. Uh, Mike asks, Hey Dan, been following you for a while now. Love everything you do. Have a serious question and would like your opinion. I'm about to order somatropin. The ship time is 10 to 21 days. Would it be smart to get the powder and mix it myself or get it in liquid form? All right, so somatropin is the um, is the chemical name for human growth hormones. So um, know that uh, some companies, you know, may write 
somatropin or something on your bo- on the box or something. And I've heard people have told me, they've asked me, you know, does that mean it's pharmaceutical grade because it's it says somatropin on the box? And and no, that again, that's just saying the chemical name of human growth hormone, which is somatropin or somatotropin. So so just know that. Um, that's a separate thing that I'm talking about other than what Mike was asking. Um, uh, but just know that about the word somatropin is that when you see that it's another way of saying human growth hormone or another word for human growth hormone. Um, whereas a brand name might be, um, nortropin. What is contained in the nortropin is somatropin. Whereas a brand name might be genotropin or might be serostim, what is contained in the genotropin or serostim is somatropin. Does that make sense? Same thing with like testosterone. You know, you might have um, Bayer Testovirin, which is the brand name. What is contained in the te- testovirin? Well, testosterone enanthate is the chemical name of the substance contained in the brand name uh, testoviron. So that's how that works. Um, and then you said ship time. So, um, stuff there, the, the pen technology, the technology that is in the pen, uh, the growth hormone pens has special preservatives in it that allows it like for nortropin, for example, nortropin is pre-mixed in the pen and it has a special preservative in it that allows it to be outside of the refrigerator um, for 21 days without having any kind of degradation to it at room temperature. Um, whereas normally if, uh, you know, like if you had a powder vial of human growth hormone and you mixed it with like, let's say bacteriostatic water and then left it outside the fridge for 21 days, it would be totally bunk, totally destroyed. Um, by the time those 21 days were over. But the nortropin um, has special technology in the pen that makes that um, not happen, okay? Preservative technology. And so, you know, he's, he's wondering, his question is basically like during the transit time, would his growth hormone be destroyed or would it, would it be degraded? So it, because, he, and, and he's asking about like liquid versus powder. So it really depends on the brand, so um, another one would be genotropin, for example. Genotropin actually comes in the pen. Uh, the pen has a separate compartment for the powder and a separate compartment for the uh, water. So whenever you open a new genotropin pen, you actually do a, a, a little process to the device that then mixes the powder and, uh, and, and the water together. It combines the two compartments and mixes them together. Um, so, so that, that's how that goes. And then, um, with, with like, uh, with like, you know, just the lyophilized powder, which is how like generic growth hormone comes, but also g- growth hormone, like uh serostim, for example. So some pharmaceutical grade Ansimone or uh Russian boxed, um, gentropin also comes this way. Um, you, you know, uh, as lyophilized powder that, that is also able to stay good for about three weeks or so. Uh, three weeks to a month. Basically, when you're looking at like growth hormone that has not been not been used, it's not been um, uh, put into its ready state, or 
it hasn't been opened and used for the first time yet. Generally, you have like three to four weeks where it could be at room temperature uh, total from the time that it leaves the manufacturer till the time that, you know, you get it in the refrigerator and it never comes out again. And then you keep it at uh, that, you know, if you're able to have that happen, you, you'll end up keeping it at a full 100% uh, potency. If you would like your questions to be on the steroids podcast, send an email to steroidspodcast at gmail.com or visit www.steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment.